Sunday school lesson last Sunday morning would have been beginning in the series on the 23rd Psalm. We didn't do that. So tonight I want to go there. Just struck me as I looked down at my notes. I preached, I shall not want. When Scott Nevels was a little boy. And I think it was Sister Shirley or maybe Brother Pierre said, you've got to be careful what you preach. Because he was wanting a mini bike. Y'all remember them days? And he said, the Lord said, I don't have to want. I can get it. (laughs) He got it. I shall not want. How many know this is the wanting season? This is is that wanting time. What do you want for Christmas? Not even what you're going to get. I told you the other day about Sailor going down the aisle in the store and just declaring, I'm going to get everything I want for Christmas. She's on her way. (laughs) We put the tree up and we didn't get anything under it. And so she would walk in and there's no presents and her hands went to her hip and her lip dropped. So finally, my wife, in order to keep a good attitude, put a present under there (laughs) because she wants something. She wants something. We were born that way. How many of you know what Shopkins is? There's a grandmother, has a little one. Shopkins is a toy game that little girls play. And it teaches them to shop as if they would ever need that training. It comes with stores and vans and, and uh, baskets and everything for them to shop. And it, it has... Little tiny things that when you're walking barefoot on the floor, you step on. Stuff that old folks like us can't even see. But it's got to have it. Because it comes complete with videos that teach them how to do it. How many of you were trained to shop? You didn't have to, did you? It's, it was innate. Men don't shop, they hunt. They walk in it, they see it, they grab it, and they go. 
a shopper looks at everything. May carry it around the store for 30 minutes and go put it back. They're not sure if that's what they want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod, thou rod and thy staff they Comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you say amen? At this time of the year, we remember a guy from the work of Charles Dickens by the name of Ebenezer Scrooge. Anybody been called that? In the author's original description of Scrooge, he is a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, Covetous old sinner. Beyond that, Scrooge despised Christmas. But in the course of the story, Scrooge changed. But much like most of those transformations, it did not come without a great price. He gets visitations and he is brought face to face with a former business partner, deceased now for seven years, wrapped in chains and Marley describes his afterlife experience being forced to wander through the earth as a penalty for his past selfishness. He told Scrooge, you can expect three visits in the nights ahead. And in that process, Scrooge has shown scenes of his own life, things that depict the character that he really was. And he wondered, is there any refuge for ignorance and want? It, it's a fantastic tale, but sadly it, it fits too many people. It may be too real to believe it may be altogether false. We were all born with wants. You could say that Adam and Eve had it all, 
But the enemy came and said, I'm going to work on your wants. I'm going to work on what you don't have. What you think you want. Isn't that amazing? They had absolutely everything they could possibly need. And yet, he got them to reach for something they couldn't have. I shall not want. It's the title of our lesson today. The Apostle Paul tells us that in Christ Jesus, we find completeness. In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him. That means He touches every part of our life, body, soul, and spirit. And our lives cannot be separated from our life in Christ Jesus. We belong to Him. When we are apart from Him, we are like a spirit wandering without a body. When we're away from Christ, we're like a spirit that is looking for a home. The psalmist David, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, took a shepherd. The Lord took a shepherd and began to write about the great shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Sheep are naturally fearful. Sheep are easily intimidated. Sheep get lost often. Sheep will follow others to their own destruction. They need a shepherd. We are sheep. We are sheep. And we fit all of those descriptions of the natural sheep in our own spiritual lives. We need a shepherd. I'm so thankful that Jesus came and said, I am the shepherd. The sheep know my voice. Our shepherd is not fearful. He's never intimidated. He knows the way we take, and he can rescue the perishing. He said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. Are you thankful for the shepherd today? When we understand the sheep's nature The shepherd proactively addresses the circumstances that could bring out the worst in sheep. Sheep are enti easily enticed to search for other places for food. And in so doing, they get lost. Oh, it seems like 
they're doing the right thing. They're, they're looking for food. That it seems like if they could get the right food, then they would get fatter and it would be more profitable to the shepherd. But it becomes the shepherd's responsibility to lead them to green pastures. He knows the safe places. He leads them beside still waters because the shepherd or the sheep are frightened of rushing streams. The sheep are there with a rod and a staff that gives them the assurance, gives them the touch, gives them the correction and direction. These things that the shepherd provides are nutrition and hydration and protection. These are the things that the shepherd brings to the sheep. So wholeness begins with a complete and utter dependence upon God and culminates with genuine fulfillment of being in His presence. There's nothing like His presence. If you've ever strayed, if you've been ever, ever been away, you know, you remember the want that was in your life. You remember the emptiness that was there. You remember the need that you felt for something because the presence of the shepherd was absent. Remember, the shepherd never left. It's the sheep that wanders away from the fold. Have you ever wondered why the 23rd Psalm, which we call the shepherd's psalm, is so well loved? I've been in many settings where there was discomfort, where there was nervousness, where there was sorrow. And just to read or to quote the 23rd Psalm brought a calmness, brought a security in the situation. There was something about it that it doesn't matter what a person's walk is, if they believe the Word of God, the shepherd's psalm will bring comfort in their lives. Humanity has always craved for more. That's a good thing and a bad thing. While we are complete, while we have everything we need, there is that need for us to do better. That is that need for us to grow beyond where we are. And so that craving that's there can be beneficial. It can help us to get beyond and keep us from being plateaued in a certain area of our life. But it can also be a very negative thing. As we addressed earlier, Adam and Eve in the garden while they had it all, they wanted the 
forbidden fruit. And it was that desire that pulled them in the wrong direction. The pursuit of happiness is enshrined in the United States Declaration of Independence as an inalienable right. Health, marriage, meaningful relationships are often associated with contentment. But many equate wealth with happiness. Just look at Ebenezer Scrooge. A person's search for happiness. That materialistic realm where it seems that the bulk of our society is drawn and infected by a disease, a sickness that is called a fluenza. No, it's not like bird flu. It's that desire to be affluent. A sickness caused by a desire for more. I've never desired to go there, but I'm amazed when I see pictures of the city of Dubai. It's, it's absolutely the, the limit, I guess you could say, of your imagination. They have their own island. They have a, the world's largest mall, which has a ski resort indoors. No, we're not vacationing there next. <laughs> a friend of ours we went to church with in, in uh, Westlake is often in Dubai because of the business, the work. And he sends pictures back, and it's, it's a place where it has the fastest, the highest, the biggest, the tallest, everything. It's there. But then when you get the biggest, there's somebody that wants to build it bigger. And when you get the fastest, there's somebody that wants to make one go faster. Everything seems to be in that wanting Humanity often adopts the rat race mentality. That never-ending quest for more. But then, when you think about it, who wants to be the number one rat? If you win the rat race, you're the number one rat. It's not nearly as exciting when you... Put it in that context. And often that's the way it turns out. Philosophers, religious theologians, studying out human psych and human philosophy have concluded that Nothing temporal can satisfy man. Pascal said, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite immutable object, in other words, by God himself.
I say it, I call it this, a God-sized hole in us. Every man has a God-sized hole in him. That you can put everything else in the world in it, but nothing will satisfy until you fill it up with God himself. You can get it all. You can own it all. You can attain it all. But only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only He can truly make you whole. John 1 and 4 said, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. God is not only our supply, but He is our supplier. Meaning that He never quits supply. You can say, well, I've got, a, I've got my wood for the winter. But if you have a colder winter, do you have a supplier for more wood? And in your walk with God, it's not a one-time coming to Him and He supplies your need, but He is a continual supplier. The late pastor and writer Harold E. Kuhn trained himself to see creation See, through creation to the Creator. He, he noted that an apple needs everywhere from 30 to 50 leaves on an apple tree to ensure its growth. So what did God do? He provided more than that. Instead of just placing 30 to 50 leaves per apple he covered the tree with 100,000 leaves. More than enough. More than enough. To the birds that are nesting on the ground that the predators come, he gets them to lay more eggs than needs. And so to ensure that there will be another generation. It's said of the female brook trout that she will lay 5,000 eggs a year because there's going to be a lot of other fish eating eggs, her eggs. But God said, we're going to just make a bunch of them. We're going to get a good supply here. So God supplies more than enough. He provides more than enough. Not just enough, but matter, matter of fact, when you breathe in air, you breathe in 20% oxygen, but then you breathe out 15% oxygen. So there's more than enough. There's more than enough. God is 
not just something that we run into and it feels good for one time, but he is a continual sustaining and abundance in our lives on a daily basis. Perhaps the one of the great biblical examples of God's sufficiency is found when he wanted to feed lunch. And they said, we don't have anything. And, and Jesus said, well, what do you have? And they found a boy with a lunch, five loaves and two fish. And, and Jesus said, that'll work. He said, have them sit down in companies of 50, and and then they began to feed, and then he said, pick up the leftovers. What started out with five loaves and two fish ends up 12 baskets of leftovers. They could have brought somebody else to church that day. There was more than enough. There was an overabundance. God will never be caught in short supply. God provided manna. He gave Aaron's rod that budded. And he gave the tablets of stone. So God in his all sufficiency, he met the people's physical needs through bread. Or what is it? Manna. He met their emotional needs through the law, and then he met their spiritual needs through the rod that budded. I think about when Moses came down from that mountain with those tablets of stone, and he saw that The wickedness of the people and the sinfulness of the people were such that what God had told him was going on on the mountain, and he told God out of judging them. He comes down the mountain. He sees what they're doing. He gets angry, and he breaks the tables of stone that God had written on. It's said that the Jews have a Tradition, they believe it this way, that in that Ark of the Covenant where God said, place the tablets of stone and place the pot of manna and place Aaron's rod that budded in that Ark of the Covenant. They said in there was the broken tablets as well as the ones that Moses wrote on again. They believed that was there because it wanted to, God wanted to show them his redemptiveness. Show them that alongside of what you have broken, I also make something new. And what is made new is never far from what has been broken. And so it is in our life. Sometimes we wonder, why do I have to keep remembering where God brought me from? Why is it a constant memory in my life of my failures, my mistakes, the things I did wrong? Didn't God make me a new creature? Yes, He did. 
but he always leaves close by that reminder of where he brought us from. That wonderful supply of God that he tells us, I can take your brokenness and I can make a new creature out of you. Never forget the supply of God. Didn't the apostle Paul write about it and said unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think by and according to his, the power that worketh in you. So David believed in God's sufficiency. He believed that God would meet his insufficiency, that God's provision would prove to be more adequate than his want. And so it is today. We simply place ourselves completely in his hands. We allow him to take over. We push aside all other gods. We push aside all of our other dependence on other things that we substitute and try to fill that God-sized hole in our life with. We push all that aside and we allow Jesus Christ to be Lord of our life. I wish I could sing it. I don't think I can. I didn't tell you all about it, so I won't ask you to do it. Anybody remember that old song? Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Notice he said he would satisfy it now, but he also has heaven too. Sweet love and joy and peace, all the things we're looking for in this life, he supplies And then he says, I know you're going to want more. I've got a place prepared for you. I've got a place prepared for you. Heaven too. Let's thank him for it right now.